Hey, good morning. Welcome to Santa Maria Foursquare. We're glad to have you with me. My name is Gary House. I have the privilege to step in for the step in. And uh, today, there was another one of the pastors who's going to be speaking, and, and unfortunately, he came down with COVID a couple of days ago. And so, <clears throat> there was no one else, and so they asked me. And so, here we are. <laughs> but uh, it's a joy to be with you and uh, have the opportunity to share a couple things. I have really enjoyed Pastor Tim's um, messages, particularly in the last couple of weeks. I hope you have too about the circle of God's will and learning to walk within that framework and finding out what is it, where is it, how do I get there, and how do I stay there. And I found it very fascinating, many of the things that was shared. Anybody happen to remember the three words from last Sunday? If we allow. Go back and re listen to it, okay? <laughs> great message, great message. Take that opportunity. Check out what is he saying? What's he talking about? If we allow. And bring it in. And I want to come in a little different direction this morning. You have a handout there. And that's going to have a lot of what I could say, but I won't say, uh, just for sake of time and all. But it's, I hope it'll be a help to you. But it's uh, a, a thing that I, I have wrestled with over the years. And that is having the opportunity of bringing questions to Jesus. Now, I don't know how you are, but uh, I've just had two grandkids with us this last week. And so one of them particularly is still in the mode, and I, I don't know, I, I'm sure nobody else understands this, but he's still in the mode where he last, likes to ask a three-letter word. Exactly. Why? Why, Grandpa? Why? And it's like, I, I, I wish there was a way to bleep that out, you know, when he's talking sometimes and just kind of do that. And, but I imagine there's parents here, you may, maybe you've heard that once or twice from your kids and all. Nobody. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> Got the wrong crowd. <laughs> no, but you know, you're walking, you get a two-year-old or three-year-old and all, it's always why. Every other word is why, 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 why. It's like, uh. And you know, want to hit that button that says delete, you know, or something like that out of the vocabulary, and it just doesn't get deleted. But it's there. And so I want us to look from the framework of the backdrop of Pastor Tim's teachings on the circle of God's will. But I want us to look at questions that we ask God. And I prepare for you on a handout that you'll be able to go and study more on your own later of just some of the things, the places, and this doesn't include all of them in the New Testament, where people came to Jesus asking questions. And they began to ponder over things and to see what was happening there. And I want to begin with John chapter 14 and verse 5. And I'm using the New Living Translation as far as rendering goes and uh, to help us. But here's what it says. Thomas, one of the disciples, he's speaking and he says, No, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus, would you help us gain an understanding of what you want us to understand this morning? Because there's things I believe out of this that, Lord, you want us to gain, but Lord, you'll speak more into our hearts than I can ever say with words. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So there's a quote that I'd like you to kind of consider with me, and then I want to come back to this verse. And the quote is this, questions are stepping stones to obtain 
knowledge. Do we have any teachers here? Okay. Teachers, great. <laughs> All right. There's, there's an interesting thing as you're teaching. One of the things you gain is, at least for me, when I, when I teach, one of the things I appreciate so much is when somebody wants to stick up their hand, however they do it, uh, <laughs> and uh, begin to say, I got a question. And they want to ask a question because I know, number one, they're listening. <laughs> That's always good. And number two is they're thinking. And number three, there's something they need to fill in the gap. And that's such a good thing. And when you come to the word of God, let me encourage you to ask a lot of questions. God, what does that mean? What are you talking about there? Why did you include that in the scriptures? What benefit does that have for me in my life right now, God? What do you want me to learn out of it? In all, is that enough to start you a little bit? Okay. And as you go into it, and as we're going through our reading program right now, the 260, it's a great time to begin to look at and look at things. And as we move into uh, uh, Jude tomorrow and then uh, Corinthians, that we're going to begin to, to follow in line with some things in there. And we're going to look at that and think, um, okay, I, I, why is that there now, God? What, what are you wanting to say out of this? And what benefit is that into my life? Great opportunities. But let me go back to Thomas here for a moment. Because Jesus has just told the guys, hey guys, I'm leaving. I'm going to make a, a home for you. And it's going to be grand. It's going to be wonderful. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And we're going to all be together and have a party. It's, that's kind of in there. And, uh, and as, as they're listening to this, Thomas is kind of scratching his head thinking, um, where are you going? Where, and, and you need to tell us how to get there. Now, parents, have you ever said something to your kids and they came back to you and said, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit like that with Thomas and Jesus right now. Okay, Jesus has been talking about this for some time as we haven't recorded. And so it's not a brand new topic that he's leaving and he's going away and he's going to return. It's not the first time he's introduced this thought to the disciples. But at this point in time, somehow it starts clicking in Thomas's brain. Ever had those moments? I never noticed that was in scripture before. It couldn't have been there. It just got written there right now, you know, because I've never noticed that before. My dad, bless his heart, is uh, enjoying heaven grandly right now. But when he was here, I was living out here. He was in Arkansas at the time. And we would talk on the phone. And uh, you got to get the understanding of the setting. This is a man that walked with the Lord for about 70 years. At this point in time, he's 94 and uh, when we're talking on the phone, he says, oh, Gary, I just need to share with you what I just learned from the Bible. You know, I was like, really? You still got things to learn, Dad? You're still gaining more things? And, and it's those kind of moments where you allow the Lord to infuse something of his heart to you and I. But I want to submit to you, a lot of that comes out of questions that we come and do. So the people, as they came, they began to ask questions, and particularly the disciples, as we're going to see in your notes there. So let me dive in real quickly here, and I just want to quickly look at these with you. As I said, you could study these more if you'd like later on. But in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Why do you speak in parables, Jesus? Why, why do you do this? If you're unfamiliar with a parable, it was simply a story that was meant to have another meaning that was a part of it. So it had a larger meaning than what you were hearing at the moment. And so they said, why do you do this? Now, it's interesting to me that the guys did that. But I don't know if you've ever done that with God. God, why are you doing this with me? Why is this going on with me? It's a little bit of wah, wah, wah time. But anyway, I, I mean, I didn't mean you. That's just me. Okay. He goes on, and, and there's a need for a better understanding of something, clarification. Listen, 
Don't be afraid to ask God for clarification. If you're wanting to understand the will of God for you about a particular thing, don't be afraid to say, I'm not real clear on this, God. I I, I really don't get it right now. You're not dense and you're not stupid. You don't understand. So ask the questions of him until you gain the understanding you need. Because when you have understanding about the things of God, you can walk in faith in those things. When you don't, it's hard. It's hard. So allow the Lord to bring his clarification. In Matthew chapter 15, it said, did you know Jesus, this, is, this blows my mind, this question. It said, did you know you offended people by what you said? You know, I, I'm grateful that the Lord didn't turn back and say, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I was fully aware of that fact. I knew it was before I said it, but he says it. But it's a legitimate question to ask. He said, Lord, do you know that that really bothered me? Lord, when I, I just read that in the scripture, and Lord, I, can, can I take a black marker and kind of, you know, take care of that for you? <laughs> you know, because it really bothers me there that I've got to live up to something that I'm not sure I can live up to or I even like. Let alone in our culture, we would look at some things in Scripture and say, that's not fair. Right? Yeah, not too many amens on that. But anyway, you know, but we get offended very easily by the Word of God and what God has to say. What do you do with that? Do you just ignore it? Do you just kind of pass over it? Or do you bring it to the Lord and say, God, I don't get this. What's going on here? This really upsets me, God. I don't understand what you're doing here. Why did you show mercy to that group of people? They didn't deserve it, like Jonah. He says, why should you show mercy to these people of Nineveh? They're nothing but a bunch of heathens. You know, why are you doing this? You know, you come along and you look around our culture and our society today and you see things going on. You say, God, why are you letting that persist? Why didn't you change that? Does God perhaps have a bigger agenda and purpose than we understand? Is that possible? Matthew chapter 17, it says, why couldn't we cast out the spirit or cast the spirit out of the boy? Understand the context of this. They had already been out ministering. Jesus had sent them out two by two ministering they'd come back said man jesus hey here's the report even the demons are subject to us man this is good stuff wow and now they come to a situation they said it didn't work never been there lord i prayed and i've prayed and i've prayed and i'm still not healed God, I've prayed for provision. I still don't have the job. God, I've prayed for you fill in the blank of whatever you want to. And we often come back pointing our hand back at God, saying, come on, God, cough it up, let's go. Answer the prayer. As though God were our heavenly Santa Claus. Forgive me, I don't mean to sound crude or mean, but sometimes we kind of get a wrong perspective. He's God, I'm not. And understanding and keeping that perspective in the right way is important. But Jesus dealt with the situation, then he dealt with the disciples, and he taught them a lesson out of it. Look for the lesson when the moments come for you and me that we don't understand what's going on or why things are not following through the way we read in the Bible is supposed to. Rather than just chucking it up or forgetting it or ignoring it, Let's go back and wrestle with it enough to say, God, I want to understand. There's a portion of scripture that challenges me regularly out of Psalm chapter 103. And it talks about about verse 7 or 8. And it's about Moses. And the scripture says that Moses knew the ways of God, but the people saw his actions. Say, okay, what does that mean, Gary? Well, what it means is the people saw the things God did, the thunder, the lightning, the provision, and this and that. 
Moses was not satisfied with only living with that. He wanted to press in and say, God, why do you do what you do? And he began to press in further to understand God. I want to submit to you, be a person like Moses that presses in and said, God, I'm not satisfied with just watching you do good things. I want to understand your heart and your character and why you do what you do. Press in to understand the heart of God in it. In chapter 18 of Matthew, who is the greatest in your kingdom? Isn't that a great question? <laughs> oh, by the way, Jesus, who is the greatest? You know, and, you know it, it's always a little self-serving when you ask a question like that. Who's the greatest you know, in your kingdom? You know, it's kind of like this a little bit. But Jesus deals with it. See, even our own pride or ego that sometimes gets in the way, God can handle. And I'm so glad God doesn't come along and say, let me just slap you upside the head and help you get it together. But he lovingly comes along and says, hey, Gary, I, okay, that wasn't the best question to ask, but I understand your heart behind it, and so I'm going to help you understand something in a broader way than what your question consisted of. See, God, that's the way God does. He always, when he responds to us, it's always broader than what we ask. Because we ask the small sometimes, frankly. Not, not you, just me. Okay. In Matthew 18, again, it says, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Seven times? Now, this is Peter. Now, Peter was feeling very generous. Because when you understand the context of it, the rabbis taught that you only needed to do three times. And that was the limit. Do it three times and then you can, then you can kill them. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so Peter thinks, man, I'm being really generous. I mean, this is really, this is going out there. Seven times, wow. And of course, Jesus responds back to him, just blew his head off and just said, no, 70 times seven. And by the way, just for those of you that are very analytical and very technical and very detailed, it doesn't mean when you get the 491st one that then you can kill them, okay? That's not what he's trying to say. It's the fact of establishing a pattern in your life that you begin, you're a forgiving person and you continue to be a forgiving person along the way. Why? Because unforgiveness hurts you and me more than it hurts the person it's against. And if you need more on that, come back to me later and I'll be happy to cover it with you more. I have many times with people because it's a, it's a hard thing. It really is. Moving on in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Why do, oh, excuse me, what do we get by following you? What a question. That great, what do I get out of this? I've had people, you know, turn back with me about that. Okay, you want me to become a Christian? Great. Okay, what, what, what do I get? What benefits do I get out of it? What's the perks? Okay, give me the benefit package that I have with this, all right? Then I'll sign up on the line, and we'll go from there. And Jesus is being asked this question by the disciples again. If you'll notice, most of these questions we're looking at right now are all from the disciples, his close followers. And that's comforting to me. Because when I ask questions similar to this, it comforts me to realize, okay, I'm in good company. Even the guys that were with him 24-7, you know, they were asking these kind of questions too. But he says, what do I get? And Jesus' response is rather challenging, and you can read it again in Scripture. But I think sometimes I can relate with that kind of question. Lord, what, what are you going to do for me? I say it in different ways. I make it sound more spiritual. <laughs> but it's kind of that thing. Lord, what am I going to get out of this, okay? How is this going to benefit, you know, as we move along? 
In Matthew 24, it says, what are the signs of your return? What a great question. You're going to leave, Jesus, and you're telling us you're leaving and you're coming back. Then what day or time will it be? Man, isn't that just like us? I don't know how many times I've had people come up and say, you know, Gary, you know, can you help us understand when is Jesus coming back? And I have a simple response. Why are you asking? Well, I want to be ready. So that implies you're not ready right now? You know, see, Jesus never said... And it almost like, it, it can feel like, let me say it this way, it can feel as though Jesus was dangling a carrot out in front of us a little bit like this and saying, you know, just kind of let it be there and kind of bother you a little bit and so forth. That's not his intent. He was trying to be honest with a, a, a response to a question that was asked. But he said, listen, I don't even know, Jesus said, I don't know when I'm coming back. Say, well, now wait a minute. How does the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they all work together? And all, how come you don't know? That would be my question next. You know, or maybe if I was there, it wouldn't be. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Jesus says, only the Father knows. In other words, I'm not coming back until the Father gives the okay. He's the guy in charge of this. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with those moments and times of certain things that I look at and say, when is this all going to work out, God? How are you going to accomplish this? You know, when am I going to get that raise? When am I going to see this answer to this prayer take place? God, when, when, when? Why, why, why? You know, I'm like a, almost like a cheer <laughs> as you go along. But it's kind of one of those things. And the thing that amazes me is God is so patient with you and me. He's patient with us. If you want to learn, by the way, the side point, sidebar here, <clears throat> if you want to learn to be a better parent, study how God parents us. That's for free, okay? Don't have to do anything more with that. All right, Matthew 26. Where should we prepare the Passover? A great question. Okay, this is kind of just a, a informational. And yet Jesus comes along and he says, go this way, go down here, meet this person. When they say this, you say this. He is so detailed in his response to that. If you ever have those moments where God begins to give you that kind of step-by-step -step instructions of what you're to do next in your life. Man, you come along and say, yes! Why is it always this way? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it isn't that way always. But they get their instructions, they follow through with it, and they begin to see that. By the way, let me just remind you, God isn't in the business of trying to rebuke us every time we ask something we don't know. So be open to the fact of coming to him and asking him the questions, even the ones that you may judge to be a little off or whatever. In Luke chapter 9, I love this, should we call down fire and turn them into burnt toast? Uh, the burnt toast is something I kind of put in a little bit. Uh, but you know, the moment was religious leaders that were saying, condemning things to them and really attacking them and all. And the disciples, now they've had a little taste of the power of God being at work in their lives and through them. And it says, man, we got the power. Glory. Hallelujah. Let's just call it down and burn them up. Wouldn't that be great, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't agree with them. Be careful how you use the power of God. The power of God isn't to be toyed with or played with. Is the power of God. Allow him to instruct you and lead you, even in the administration of his power and how that needs to be ministered forth to other people. In John 6, what are we supposed to do with such a hard saying? 
Now, I don't know how the disciples meant this to be spoken, but here's how I interpret that in my mind. Said, we really don't know how to respond to what you're saying. And it's very hard for us to listen to. So can we just kind of ignore this question and thought and idea and move on to something else that's easier? And I, I don't know if you've ever encountered those moments where you have tough things in your life and you're saying, God, can we move on from here? Because I, I, let's get to the easy questions, not the hard ones, because this is not comfortable. It's getting close to home. Some of the things my dad would share with me and I, I would listen to, and as he was speaking it and sharing it, and a man that had studied the Bible for a long time, and he's sharing back with me these st statements and comments, and in my own heart, I'm getting off the phone, and I'm still thinking about the things that he's just shared with me, and I'm thinking, God, what would I do with that? Dad just shared that with me. I, I'm not sure what to do with that for me. Are you comfortable talking to God that way? Seeing Gary, you're making me very uncomfortable at the moment. In John chapter 9, <laughs> the setting is Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus has been in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. A man is blind. He ministers healing to him. He's healed. And the question is raised from there. It said, all right, from our context and where we're coming from, only somebody that has been born blind all their life, it would indicate that somebody had to sin to cause all of this to be in effect. And therefore, who sinned in the situation? Now, that was their cultural thinking and teaching of the day. And so it was natural for them to ask the question. You know, we look at it and say, huh? What are you asking a question like that for? But it was very normal for them because of where they were coming from and their culture. And they say, so somebody must have sinned to cause somebody to be blind. No. And Jesus goes on to explain it. I'll let you read it on your own and all from there. But I want to submit this thought to us. Be careful of looking for fault and wrong in things that don't need to be looked for. The church has gotten into, used to be in a habit, fortunately I think we're out of it, maybe, maybe not, where we really cast blame on people and say, well, you're sick because of this in your life. Really? Now, Albeit, albeit, you know, somebody that, for example, has taken most of their life and they drank a lot, a lot, a lot, and now they've got cirrhosis of the liver and the doctor's given a very negative future for that person. Yeah, you know, I'd have to say, hey, uh, I think one plus one still equals two. So, you know, your drinking likely brought cause a problem to the liver, and here we are in this situation. Still not impossible for God. I've watched God heal those things and bring that into being, but I'm still not going to turn to a person and say, you dirty, rotten sinner, if you wouldn't have blown your life away and all of they already know that. Why do I need to tell them that? Listen, if you're ministering with people, be very careful. We like to point blame in our culture today. Watch your social media. It just, you know, I mean, we like to do that. In church, this isn't the place to do that. This isn't the place to do this with each other. For whatever the reason might be. Be careful of pointing the finger at other people and trying to determine faults in others. Well, there were some great guys in Jesus' day. They were called religious leaders. 
They were the guys with the PhDs in religion, the Old Testament studies. These guys were really smart, quote, unquote. But in Matthew chapter 12, it says, would you show us a miracle to prove you are sent from God? Now, that's always fascinating to me because Jesus had already raised the dead. He'd healed blind eyes. He'd healed leopards. He had brought, brought about a, a, uh, an ability for a person that was deaf and, and dumb to be able to speak and to hear. And he, on and on and on, we could go. People would come to him in groups, and he healed all of them. He delivered many from demonic uh, in, uh, possession or influence into their lives, and on and on and on. And yet, the religious leaders say, uh, um, can you show us a miracle? So you can prove, let me submit something to us. Don't put God in a position where we judge that he needs to prove anything to us. And I don't mean this to be just simplistic, but he's God. He's God. He doesn't have to prove anything. And again, in a culture that is very oriented toward, well, give me your credentials. Give me this. Give me that. Why should I believe in you? Why should I listen to you? Be careful of trying to do that with God. Folks, just be careful. Going on in Matthew 22, it said, should we pay taxes or not? Great question, huh? <laughs> and you remember Jesus' response? It was very simple. He said, give me a coin. He was handed a coin. He said, whose, whose uh, image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar. He says, okay. Then why don't you give Caesar what he is owed and give to God what is owed to God? Fascinating response on the religious leaders. They just kind of walked away. Okay, we lost that round. <laughs> that didn't work real well. But let me submit to you, pay your taxes. Okay, pastor, now you're meddling. Okay. Matthew 22 again. Master, what is the greatest commandment? Now, this would be a very sincere question to ask if you didn't realize it was coming from an attorney. An attorney that was well-versed in the Old Testament law and studied it, you know, he was a person that enmeshed himself in what the Bible taught in the Old Testament. So that's, that's the person that brings this question, okay? And he asks, he says, so what is the greatest? You mean you don't know? You've been studying the Bible for X amount of time and you still don't know this? But Jesus comes back and responds and gives him the answer back to him let's always be careful that we we don't try to trap God with our questions okay God is there there is there a a big enough evil that you can't overcome God is there there's something that you really can't and you fill in whatever you want to in there that God can't do why, why would we ask those questions? He is God. Either I believe that he's God or I don't. And finally, the question was asked, John 9. <laughs> Amazing. Same context as the blind man here. This is a continuation of that story. But the religious leader says, are we blind also? So what are you saying, Jesus? Are you saying that we're not able to see? And it was a little bit of a condescending question. Because are, are you trying to say that we don't, we don't get it? Is that what you're trying to say, Jesus? I love Jesus, though. He didn't answer. You know, some questions are not worth answering. <laughs> Learn that difference. 
Learn that difference. Then let me give you a couple of others before we bring this kind of to a close real quickly. There were some questions that people asked Jesus and he didn't give an answer. When God, when you ask God questions and you don't get an answer, what do you do? You know, now, you're my grandkids, you just ask it again. And you keep on asking it, except your voice begins to raise. Why this? Why that? You know, it's like, Anyway, no, my grandkids are wonderful, they're great, and so forth, and uh, they'll pay me later for that. But, uh, <laughs> but there's some questions that Jesus was asked. He says in Ma- Matthew chapter 8, this was a man that was demonized with over 6,000 demons influencing his life. He says, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Now, I wish we had time to look at it. I love exploring this verse. But it implies the fact they knew exactly who he was. He, they knew his authority. They knew what he could do. And he knew, they knew that whatever needed to be done, he would do it. A lot of recognition in that. But Jesus doesn't answer him. They turned back and said, well, can you just cast us out? Don't, don't get it, put us into the abyss where we're not able to influence people anymore. Send us over in the pigs. And so Jesus does. He dismisses them, and they do. In Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 15, Pilate asks the question, will you not try to answer the charges against you? And Jesus is standing before this man that in that time could make the determination you're going to be crucified or you're not going to be crucified and he says aren't you going to even answer for yourself you don't have your own attorney so aren't you at least going to be your own attorney itself and and make some kind of response and jesus doesn't respond and finally in mount also in that chapter it's jesus this time fascinating question He's hanging on the cross for you and me. And he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've been in that kind of position, not on a cross, obviously. But in those kind of moments where you say, Lord, where are you? I don't feel you. Your presence doesn't seem to be anywhere near me right now. And just, I don't know what to do without your presence. I I don't know what to do. John 18. Pilate again is speaking just prior to the one in Mark we just read. And Jesus has made the comment about truth and truth being available to him. And finally, Pilate says, (coughs) excuse me, I've got a live one here. Let's ask him, what's truth? Good question. Not a bad question whatsoever. But it's one of those questions Jesus doesn't answer. Why? Because he was truth. He was living truth, standing in front of him. And it was fascinating to me that the scriptures that goes on after that, it simply says, it goes from it. And Pilate leaves Jesus, walks out to the crowd, and says, I don't find any fault in this guy. I'm ready to release him. But of course, the crowd came along and said, crucify him. Let me come back to our quote. Questions are stepping stones to obtain knowledge. And I want to close with looking at what are our stepping stones. Let me offer this thought, a couple thoughts to you as we close. Why don't we ask why questions of God? Why don't we ask the why questions? Well, there can be a lot of reasons. We may be fearful there won't be any answers. We may be embarrassed or we may be 
think, well, we'll be criticized because we would ask such a dumb question. <coughs> also, we may not understand the heart of God for, God for us, that God is for us and not against us. So I can ask him a why question, and he's not going to kick me out. He's not going to get on my case. Let me submit one of the areas that I've often turned to people, particularly in times of loss of a loved one. And they'll say, well, Gary, tell me, why, why did they die right now? And I said, my, question, my answer is, I don't know. I said, that's a good question for you to ask God. I said, well, yeah, but God doesn't tell me. I said, don't stop. Keep asking him the question. And that comes in my, from my position, from years of experience of watching people, that if you continue to ask those questions of God, there will come an answer for you that will help clarify for you what's been going on. God's not going to leave you in the dark. He isn't sitting out there saying, oh, man, look at that. They're squirming. That's cool. No, he doesn't do that with you and me. He does not. He loves us. And when we get to heaven and we see the video replay, you know, then we'll understand, oh, that's why he didn't tell me. Could it be that there's a lot more at foot of what God's doing in my life than what I recognize at the moment? So let him be God and let him be in charge of doing things his way. We may not ask why questions because what if I stump God? Well, let me remind you that God is smarter than a fifth grader. It really is. And he knows a lot, and we're not going to stump him by our questions. In fact, it likely isn't a question that he hasn't heard before. Another thing that we do sometimes, we fear God saying something that may offend us. What if I don't get the answer I want? What if I don't hear from God what I want to hear as, as a response back or anticipate hearing? Another thing is we are afraid to ask some questions that may appear self-serving or dumb. I, just, I, don't want, I don't want to ask God that. Or we may say, why are you, God, changing the plans? My wife and I, we've been there before, where it seemed like we're going this direction, and all of a sudden, the plans get changed, and it's like, wait a minute, you didn't tell me to turn left or right? All I understood last, you told me, was go straight, and I was going straight, and now you're closing the door. There's a blockage right there. There's a detour, and, and what am I supposed to do? Can God change plans on our, for our good on our behalf and not tell us first. Can he do that? Will we allow him to be God and trust him that he really does know best? Can I pull the pun out here? Father does know best. Okay? Our heavenly father knows best. And lastly, another reason why we may not want to ask questions of God is it may be our fault and I don't want to hear that I don't want to hear God come on and say Gary if you would have followed or done what I'd already told you you should do these things may not have turned out this way and frankly I don't want to hear it I'm not asking you if you do or not Okay, I'm just telling my problems, okay? Thank you for allowing me to have this therapy session, by the way. This has been very helpful. Appreciate it. So what do we do? What do we do? Number one is ask the questions. What are the questions right now in your life that you need to bring before the Lord? Why this? What's going on here? How should I handle that? Don't back off from those things. Press into it. Just like our kids who don't know any better, 
than to come and ask the questions because they don't know. So they come and ask. Secondly is ask questions you're afraid to ask. Ask the ones you're afraid to ask. What's God going to do to you? Zap you? Send a lightning bolt down and fried crispy, you know, and type of thing? No, he's not going to do that. He wants us to come to him and trust him enough that I can open up my heart honestly and openly to him and ask him the question of him that I need answered. Number three is expect answers. Expect him to answer you. Say, well, Gary, I've done that, and I've done that, and I've done that. I still haven't got the answer. Keep it up. Number four is don't be offended when the answers don't come. Say, well, I, I don't know if I can trust God. I just, I've had people turn to me and just say, I don't know if I can trust God. And we go through the story and all that stuff. And the bottom line, too, is, is just that God didn't do what I thought he was going to do or he should have done or how I thought he should do it. And therefore, I don't know that I can trust God. Hmm. Well, and I often use the example of Jesus. <laughs> what a great example to use. And I said, well, you're in good company because that's exactly where Jesus was when he's on the cross. And he says, Father, where are you? And he didn't get an answer. Okay, and last but not least is persevere until. Until what, Gary? Until you get the answer. Say, well, you know, Gary, it could be a long time. Okay, persevere until. In other words, continue to press into it. I still have questions in my life that I don't know answers to yet. And I regularly am bringing him back. Lord, I'm just bringing this back before you. I haven't understood any clear, with any clarity uh, a new understanding about what to do about this. And I'm just presenting that back to you, Lord. And then I let it, let it go, not forgetting it, but I let it go from the persistency of every single day and every two minutes, you know, asking the same question again. But I bring it back for my benefit, not his he doesn't have a memory problem. Just to keep it clear with everyone, God does not have dementia. All right? You and I may think he does. He does not have that. And so he doesn't forget anything. Anything. But there's a timing and a plan and a purpose God has, and he'll bring it together in the way that it's best for all concerned I want to close in prayer with you. And uh, Jason, come on and back up, if you will, please. I hope that something said that may be helpful to you this morning. Because in looking at the idea of the circle of God's will, there's a lot of things within that framework where you may not always understand what is his will for my life. Who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to have? What my, what's my future going to be? Where am I supposed to live? And on and on and on with questions that we could have. Now, to more personal things like, what do I do with this wayward child? What do I do with this habit in my life? How do I resolve a lot of things that just don't make sense to me? What do I do with that? Can we trust God to come to him and bring the questions to him and allow him the opportunity in his way and in his time to bring the answer to us? Because he will. He will give us the answer. And if for any reason he does not, let me submit to you that there's a possibility it may be for our good that he doesn't tell us. And can I trust him with that? So what are your questions today? 
for some of us, I'm sure we can be sitting here and we can be saying, Gary, I really don't want to go there. Okay. I'm not going to apologize. I brought it up, though. (laughs) But I understand that. I understand that sense of, I don't want to have to go to those questions that are hard, they're tough, they're difficult to deal with. Okay. But when you're ready, just remember, the Father's ready too. He's ready to hear your question. And he's here, ready to hear the agony and maybe the tension that goes with that question too. He's able to handle it because he loves you that much. In a few moments, we're going to have, in fact, if we don't can have the prayer team, if we have some that are here to do so, ready, that you may want to just come up and just say, you know, would you just pray with me today that, that I just be open to what God wants to accomplish and do with my life right now? And whether you're here or you're out in the courtyard, or you're online, we have pastors, people that are there ready to assist you and and pray with you as well. It would be our pleasure to do that as well with you. But I want to encourage you right now just to think if that's it. And you don't have to come up here to have somebody pray with you, but sometimes it seals the deal, as it were. But just being able to go up and acknowledge I'm struggling with this right now in my life, I just want somebody to stand in prayer with me. Not to answer give me the answers, just somebody to stand in prayer with me so that I can move forward knowing that I'm not alone and I have that support and love and grace. And if that's you, I want to invite you in a moment just to come and ask for prayer about that. But would you stand with me? I want us to pray together before we go. Father, how grateful we are that you are a God that listens that cares, that understands, and patiently seeks to guide and direct our life. God, every one of us, to some degree or another, have questions lurking within our hearts, within our minds, over such a wide array of things. And yet, God, you're ready to handle all of them. (laughs) It's amazing to me. And yet, that's who you are. As we sang, God, earlier, you're our champion. God, we can always come to you with what we need. Lord, I want to pray for your grace and blessing upon each one here, upon those listening by way of the social media. God, and I pray that your grace will be there for them to turn to you and receive from you your acceptance your love, your care, and, yes, your answers. We open our hearts to this, Lord, because we want to walk in the circle of your will. We really do. Teach us, continue to teach us, Lord, how to do that in every way, place we go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Join back with us next week. We'll see God doing some great things as we go.